You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. Today's guest is the CEO of a company called Fair and Event, and their company provides a variety of services to our industry. Jake Spurley is going to tell us about that. He's the CEO. He joins us today from Portland, Oregon. Jake, welcome to the show. Robert, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. I'm, I'm glad you could be here. Uh, for the nine listeners, I think we're up to nine now. <laughs> for the nine listeners, would you go ahead and give us a quick background on Fair and Event and how, what services you guys provide the Fair industry? Yeah, so I really got my start in the Fair industry as a concessionaire traveling all around Oregon and Washington with my little food truck. Um, I got appointed to the Columbia County Fair out here in Oregon to serve as their vendor coordinator. Um, did, a, did a lot of marketing stuff from there. Um, from there, I really loved it and really saw that our industry needed some help with some solutions, especially for the vendor coordinators. So that's really how Fair and Event was born. Uh, from there, we offer a suite of solutions, as you kind of said, Robert, but kind of our bread and butter is the booth management tool to really help folks save about 48% of their time managing their vendor applications. So if you're a fair and you have... Um you know, you, you know, your commercial building, this is the type of software or whatnot that, that can help manage that, uh, manage that application process. Yep. Commercial exhibitors, food exhibitors, or concessionaires, whatever you want to call them. Um, anybody that uh, basically occupies a booth or you need to manage booths, applications, payments. Uh, we also have an interactive map builder, so you can kind of map out all your different booths. Um, Got it. That's all, uh, all, all a perfect candidate for our solutions. Got it. So when I went to um, both, uh, I think it was the Connect Marketplace and BizBash in New York City, when we did the booth application process, you literally could go on to an, an interactive thing within BizBash's website, and you could click each booth and see who was in that booth and what their con- their website and phone number and whatnot. Is that the type of thing that you guys are producing? Yeah, absolutely. So also, that's, okay. that's part of the interactive map there. So um, just kind of come standard when you create your map, it's all interactive. So you can see, hey, what booths are available, which ones are reserved. And then you as an exhibitor, once you get assigned to a booth, uh, the booth kind of changes colors and shows that you're assigned to that booth. So Got which it. is super nice for attendees too, because attendees want to see where things at. So they could check out your profile, see what you offer, check out sure. your socials, see what other events you're going to, kind of create the, interact- the um, engaging interactive experience between exhibitors and the attendees as well. So what made you want to go from uh, your food truck and doing concessions to doing this type of thing? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a whirlwind, right? I, I loved, I loved traveling around. I had a food truck called sausage King. Don't laugh at the name. Um, it was a, it was a high school idea and I knew that college, college wasn't going to pay for itself. I was like, you know, this whole fair gig is kind of cool. Cause I grew up in 4-H. So, you know, fair was the best week of summer and it always will be the best week of summer. And I figured, you know, if I could just hit up these fairs, a couple of them a summer, you know, I can do it while I'm in college. I'm not going to do school during summer. I can make a little bit of money, you know, pay for the beverages and food. And of course, the textbooks that I need to go to college. Um, and from there, one of the, there was a, an opening on the fair board in my, in my hometown fair. And I was like, this would be super cool. You know, like this has been my dream to be more involved with fairs and kind of do that whole bit. Because growing up as a 4-H kid, you think, you know, being on the fair board is basically being the president of the United States. And <laughs> I saw the yep. opening and one of, the, one of the county commissioners knew me and he's like, Jake, we, we really need you on this board. You know, you have so much knowledge. And I'm like, hey, I, at the time, I think I was like 20 or 21. 
And I was like, all right, let's do it. So I applied and the uh, commissioners appointed me to the board and, you know, going through it, I just, I loved every, there's just something unique about fairs that just doesn't hit home with other events. We mean, we work with events all over Canada, the United States, but, you know, very different events from beer festivals to trade shows. And the county fairs are just always the ones that are so exciting because they're yeah. so unique. And on one of your other episodes, I think, I think it was with Steve at the IFE, you were talking about the fair family yep. and just how unique the fair industry is in that there truly isn't any other event like a county fair between the purpose of the event with promoting agriculture, you know, kids, 4-H, that involvement, um, but also just with like the event itself, like what other event are you going to find maybe a rodeo and then you're going to get Nelly up on stage and, you know, yeah. you're going to have this carnival. It's just the, the diversification with county fairs, I think yep. it's so, so fun too. Cause every, I mean, there's something for everybody at a county fair, really. Yeah. It's that cross section of America that you so rarely see an all in one place together. Like you say, you know, you, you might have cowboys walking over to the rodeo arena and then, you know, uh, a whole group of folks, I was going to say young folks, but if you're talking about Nelly, <laughs> that's my <laughs> era. So I'm not sure all of Nelly's fans are young folks anymore. Some are getting up there, but we'll still jam out. It, it is just kind of a wild cross section of America coming to these County fairs. Unfortunately, <laughs> 2020 did not, see a lot of that um i think in talking to marla calico i forget the number she said but i it could have been 30 but for sure it was less than 50 fairs that actually happened across the entirety of the country and this is in a uh, an organization that i think if i remember has something like 11 1100 some odd events that are, are represented by their members that doesn't even include the members or the the fairs that aren't part of ife but to have less than 50 of them, I mean, that, that's a, a butt kicking of the biggest kind. Um, looking back at 2020, I, I want to get a sense from you. Mid-March rolls around, Houston cancels, you know, South by Southwest cancels. The wheels come off the bus and all of a sudden everything's canceling. What are you thinking when you start to see all of these major events just closing up shop? Yeah, I think, I think there are definitely two feelings going through going through my my mind at the time one was the optimism of you know in Oregon at least we're not promised but uh, you know hey if we quarantine for a month it's all going to be gone so the optimistic side of me was this is going to be great you know we're all everything is going to shut down we'll be good to go by summer and then as you know you kind of keep going and you're like well this isn't uh this isn't yep. really what they said it was um it was it was tough you know, we just launched one of our newest features, which was that booth management feature we've been talking about. And, you know, to have a whole bunch of folks, county fairs, just so excited for this new solution to help them. And then it's just like yeah, all your hopes and dreams that you've been working on for a year and a half just blow up. Um, and every, you know, people get laid off. And it was, I think, everybody on the team, it was a very um, somber time. It was very depressing, you know, because we all just want to, you know, attend these events and help these folks help the fairs. And we couldn't do what we, you know, wanted and do best was to help them solve their problems. And I think for us specifically, it was tough because there was the, well, do we go virtual? Do we try and build this virtual platform? Or do we just like put our heads down and, you know, keep building our platform to just be better for when we return back to live events. And we, we went option number two, just 
make our make our platform better but there's a lot of times where you know even at the end of 2020 you're like do do did we make the right decision should we have went yeah. virtual you know i mean hindsight 2020 you there it was impossible to make a, a great decision because we just don't know for sure but it was there's even even today you know seeing seeing events already starting to cancel in 2021 you i think it's almost impossible to not be in the mindset of is this ever going to end when's it going to end when can we start helping folks again and i i, I know that's that's definitely where uh where a lot of folks' minds have been well, I know that it's it was really nice to start to see some movement down here in Florida. I know that some of the fairs in Texas are are starting to talk about going. Um, unfortunately, Houston had to cancel again. I, you know, I haven't talked to Chris Bowman down there yet on the show. I'd love to get him on. I have a feeling there's a lot more than just the than Houston happening there. Um, I think there's probably some some local politics that might be, uh, you know, kind of getting involved in the mix there, but. You know, all across the country, we've got, I'm seeing Carnival Warehouses posting almost daily, various states that are starting to relax some of their restrictions. We're starting to see things going from, you know, maximum of 100 people at an event. Well, you can't even pay the, the, the box office people to cover 100 people in an event for the day, you know. Uh, but we're starting to see that relaxing and, and, you know, now you can have an event to 500 people or 1,000 people or um, I, I don't know. I just feel like in this industry, and we've talked about it over and over again on the show, that we can have safe events. We were probably the most prepared of any industry because we've dealt with E. coli and H1N1 and all that stuff. But hey, when the government says no and they won't give you a permit, what are you supposed to do? Uh, your business, though, I'm curious because so many fairs have had to furlough and lay off people. How many employees do you guys typically have there at fair and event? uh six going on seven here pretty soon as we as we okay. expand to canada so that's that's six jobs that just one small company very small company creates did you have to lay anyone off during the pandemic luckily we did not we were actually able to grow the team so you expanded we expanded that's that's impressive what did you guys do in order to make sure that you could expand i mean that's i mean i understand it's only six people but that's still six jobs and most fair offices, you know, don't have hundreds of peer thousands. Most fair offices probably have between about five and 20 employees. So how do you guys manage to expand in the middle of all this? I think it all comes down to what, what we call the exceptional experience is that we really say that we, we will never be perfect. And it all comes down to caring and like actually truly caring about people. And we care so much about the events that we work with, fairs, whatever, but also our internal employees too. It was more of a conversation of, look, we will not lay anybody off. That's not an option because there, there was no plan B. It was plan A and this is what we were going to do. And it was just a conversation of, hey, look, we care about each one of you guys so much. You losing your job is more than just you losing a job. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your kids. It's affecting your retirement. It's affecting your career. And it just wasn't an option for us. So it was a conversation between an internal conversation of, hey, here's what the landscape looks like. Here's what finances look like. What can we do collectively to make this all happen? We just came up with an internal game plan of, you know, how things were going to work and how we were going to, you know, survive and make it through. And we were fortunate that, you know, that plan has kind of come to fruition and we've, we've made it work, but it really just came down, down to caring about you know our internal folks but also the external folks too because you i mean as sure i'm sure as you know as well you start to build these these deep relationships with people and it's it's much more than 
you know, we're not just a solutions provider anymore. We're a, we're a partner that when, you know, stuff hits the fan, they can call on us and they can rely on us, but that's the, you know, it's a, it's a back and forth relationship. When we need something, we feel that we can, you know, call on our partners as well. And it's really just been that crumb, that camaraderie, excuse me, of, we just all care about each other. We just all made it work. Yeah. Well, and you talk about building those relationships, which is the absolute key to any sort of success in this industry. And in most businesses, building a relationship of trust, you're now looking at uh, an entire landscape out in front of you of clients that that contact person may not be there anymore. You have long-term clients that maybe you know, the, the marketing director or whoever it was that was your contact has been furloughed or may not be coming back. And now you got to start over. You got to start building those relationships again with, with a fair or a client that in this case, um, you just, you know, you don't, they don't know when things are going to come back. They don't know when it's going to get back to normal. And so it, it does, it does put, do you feel like it puts some, you know, um, some sort of, of pressure on you guys to be able to rebuild those relationships with people that are, you know, potentially now brand new to the industry. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's, you, there's some that are um, one fortunate enough that we still have those contacts there, you know, they were able to keep their job, but then there's the other folks where you're now making all these new relationships. You know, I've had a contact down at the, um, at the big, big Fresno fair in California and, you know, their concessionaire uh, individual who was there for many, many years is now gone. So it's like, well, yep. crap, <laughs> where do we go yeah. now? And um, I think, Luckily, we, we have a good, um, I guess, reputation and we are so focused on the people. It's, it's pretty easy for us to, you know, make new friends because at the end of the day, we're just here to help you solve your problems sort of deal. Um, but you're right. It's, it's half of it's frustrating because you're like, shoot, you know, I just spent all these years, whatever, building this great relationship, you know, yep. when I go to their fair, they buy me a beer, whatever. And now it's like, oh crap, I got, I got to pay for my own beer now. Geez, what is this? But, oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's sometimes it's, I would say it's a little bit frustrating because you work so hard to build up that relationship. But the other side, you know, we always see, so always see unfortunate events as opportunities. This is another opportunity for us to go build another relationship with somebody who might be, you know, 10 times cooler. Don't tell the other person that, but right. you know, it's so much of life. And I think especially our industry and especially this situation is based on, this is all an opportunity. It's just our job to figure out what is the specific opportunity. And it might not be the opportunity you were anticipating. Um, but I would be, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of us in the industry have either one, learned something about ourselves during this time, or two, learned something um, on how to, how to pivot or how to be better. So really it's an opportunity. So you mentioned learning something about yourself during this, this whole pandemic. What have you learned about yourself? Ooh, hard, hard hitting question, Robert. I like it. Let's um, go. Let's go. Let's, let's get to the meat and potatoes go. here, Jake. I like it. No, I like it. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I also, I'm, I'm a big advocate on, on having a resilient mindset. Um, and I think that the number one thing that I learned about myself is that everybody says just to trust the process, right? Like, oh yeah, just trust the process. Like, what does that tangibly mean? You know? And I've always, I Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about that. Trust yeah. the process. And I'm like, patience. What does that mean? Patience. And I've even said it before. And I really think it's, you know, you just got to be patient and just let some things just happen. But what do you, what do you think that whole trust the process? What do you think that means? 
I mean, I think, you know, especially at least for me overseeing the, a, new, a big new feature launch, it was like, okay, I, we are able to do a like 180 degree flip of what we thought we were going to do and we will still be okay. You know, you just have to make that plan, stick to it and just go. And I think the biggest part, you know, I guess to my building my resilient mindset was if things don't go as planned, like that's okay that's part of life. Like, and so much of life, you can't, um, you can't control, I'd say a big part of what happens in your life. So I always tell folks, you know, you are the ship, you know, you, you can't control the swells. You can't control the sea. You know, you can't control if a whale comes and knocks you over, but what you can control is how you steer the ship in the sea. And I think so much of our industry life, whatever, what I've learned is I can only steer my own ship. And wherever, wherever the, whatever the sea's doing is okay. It, it's happening for a reason. And this is trying to show me an opportunity or lead me to something better. All I have to do is stay on the ship, stay the heading, stay the course and drive it the best that I can. I like that analogy. You can only control what your ship's doing. And uh, your ship is now into 2021. And uh, we're, you know, about a, just about through the first quarter here. By the time this airs, it'll be, you know, kind of beginning of April. So we'll be through for first quarter. What I'm closing or I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the goals you set for yourself and for your company the rest of the year? I think it's funny that you mentioned goals because um, I think it's very difficult to set goals in such an uncertain industry. And the last thing I want to do is set goals for the team that might be 100% unrealistic. Um, and really the only goal we have through this whole thing is there's really two of them. Goal number one, support our events that work with us the best we can. We constantly are checking up with them quarterly. Hey, one, how are you doing as an individual? Two, how is your, you know, fairgrounds doing your fair? What does planning look like? And is there absolutely anything I can do to support you better? Um, that's, that's goal number one, take care of our folks. And goal number two is um, to take care of ourselves. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be, one, you're not going to be productive. You're not going to be at your, you know, prime time game ready um, mentality when things get back to normal. And, you know, as much, I mean, obviously that's more focused towards the solutions folks, but, you know, for developers, it's a little bit different, develop new features, fix this, whatever. Um, But I think it's very, very hard to set, to set goals right now that are sales oriented, whatever numbers oriented when, who knows, this might be 2020 part two. You just have no idea. It has been a big challenge. And I know in speaking to fairs with their planning for potentially having a a fair in 21, this also presented all the unknown is just a massive challenge because, you know, you think about some of the California fairs are already thrown in the towel, you know, LA County is already canceled or, or, you know, and we had Walter Marquez on the show who's the interim CEO and, and he alluded to, you know, they're not going to have the rides. It's not going to be a traditional fair. They will have some kind of event. But when you've got events that, you know, like them, they're, they're already thrown in the towel. I, I, the ones that are planning, I think is just, I don't envy them this task. As a performer who my job is to show up and, you know, make sure that whoever is there has a good time. That's what I'm focusing on. I don't envy them having to try to plan and navigate through this. It's it just, is it. I don't know how businesses, big businesses like that, how they do it. Because there's just so many different options. I know me personally, I operate best on certainty. And there's none of it right now. 
And I, I, I think so many people do. And I think that's why so much of what, what we have to focus on right now is mindset because we're, we're, in a, we're in an industry that thrives and succeeds on certainty. You know, pre, pre-sale tickets, for example, you know, we are guaranteed those tickets are sold, money's in the bank, you know, we're guaranteed, you know, Robert's gonna show up with, you know, the, um, what, what, what's the exhibit you do? The fortune, Contra teller, fortune right? machine. Yeah, Contra fortune yeah, yeah, machine. Yeah, there you go. You know, yep. He's gonna come up, that's, you know, the kids are gonna love it. Everybody's gonna love it. Our industry strives on certainty. And we have absolutely none of that right now. You know, yep. at least in Oregon here, um, the restrictions are changing every other week. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What's open. the what's it currently look like up there in Oregon? I don't even want to talk about it. But it, it, <laughs> if if we must, it's um, an absolutely no bash to um, Oregonians, our Oregon governor, anything like that, because I don't envy their job. Um, but every two weeks, there is a I think they call it like a review. So if you're, and it's based off cases per 100,000. So if you're within this, and there's four different levels, like extreme risk, moderate risk, low risk, and no risk, I don't know. Uh, but based off what category level you're in determines what can be open. So in the county that I'm in, restaurants just reopened. Uh, they're probably gonna close down again because our cases went up a little bit. It will push us into the um, worse bracket. So, but it's, it's different county by county. And it's changing every other week. And it's, I mean, think about the, the restaurants and the businesses, you know, one yep. week you can be open and you're, you know, serving food, whatever, indoor dining, life is great. And then the next week you can do to go and maybe you're seeing a 10th of the business. So it well, and I've seen some, I can't remember where it was, but I saw one place, there was an article where the county line is the street is right down the middle of the street. So literally Restaurants on one side of the street could be open to like 50%. And on the other side, they were still closed for takeout only. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And you're talking about a street that's got like three lanes, you know, it's, it's, it's one or two directional lanes and a turn lane. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's yeah. 35 feet b- between the two and one can be open and one's not. It's mad. It's like, it's like, what do you, it's like, what do you do? I was talking to, yeah. who was I talking Oh, I was talking to the, um, who was it? I was talking to some uh, uh, fair out in Idaho and kind of how Idaho's shaped, you know, kind of the panhandle up north. Um, all the folks from the Washington side that were trying to have events just drove like 20 minutes across the border to the Idaho side and were holding their events on the Idaho yes. side. And, you know, I was like, all right, sweet. Life's great. We were Idaho. talking about with, I think it was Alexia Jordan from, I think she's at North Idaho State Fair. Yeah, yeah. I might be is. mixing it up. But um, she, she was saying something like that, that literally you've got stuff that over in, I guess it's Spokane that's like closed, but they drive 25 minutes up the road and they have more, more availability on the Idaho side. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. It, but what I do just, you do? What do you do? Vaccinate people and get it over with and let's go. Let's open this thing up because this, this, whole, this whole government handing out money thing is just not, it's not working for me. I I would rather go uh, and and do my own thing and earn my own keep. I I don't want money from the government. I don't have a choice right now. We didn't have a choice with the PPP. Like we had to do something to be able to get be able to you know make sure our mortgage is paid. Things, but too many different people making too many different decisions. That's gotten way too politicized. I'm done with it. I'm ready for just good news. I'm ready for corn dogs. I'm ready to see that Ferris wheel let up at night and see those little piggies running around in a circle on the pig races. That's what I want to go see. 
Maybe, you know, maybe that, that's actually, uh, you, you bring up an interesting point. Too many people making too many decisions. And you know who's great at making decisions? County fair boards and their directors. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we're onto something here. Maybe we just need our county fair directors to just be calling the shots because they know all about organization, calling shots and uh, only having, um, you know, one well, decision I will, I will, I will be reluctant to say anything ill about county fair boards or state fair boards because in many cases <laughs> they're the ones that are uh are signing the check that pays the entertainer um you know and listen everybody's got their own you know their own setup and how they they run their fair some efficiently some less efficiently but i think what we all can agree on is that rig they can't make the decisions if the if the county health departments and the states don't say here's your permit you can go and we yeah. we got to get to the point where that can happen i am curious from you what's something positive in these last few minutes that we're on with you what's something positive that has come out of this pandemic for you ooh for me personally or the company or both both let's do that we'll be we're going to throw oh. caution to the wind both of them <laughs> all right well we'll we'll start with me first um i think probably the biggest thing is having a more uh, again it comes down to the resilient mindset you can only coach teach and train your mind so much when you aren't affected by super adverse situations you know it, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like playing a sport or learning a new thing you can only kind of learn so much by reading the book, watching YouTube, but once you actually do it or you're put in that situation, you learn so much better. And that's how I am. Um, I thought I had a super resilient mindset, which I did for the most part, but once you get thrown into this fire of you have to be resilient, you know, to lead a, an event technology company in a pandemic, you have to, you know, be the one that's always, yeah, this is going to be great. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me was building on my resilient mindset and, you know, cause being a being the person in charge, I guess you can say, is so much more than just you know the decisions. It's you know how do you keep or how, you know how do you monitor other people's mental health? You know because it's such a big thing right now. Yeah. And you know taking that kind of responsibility was was a big deal. And so for, for me, it was building on the resilient mindset. Um, for the company, I guess we're super excited to just launch a bunch of new features and just continue to build on our on our current technology. You know, we're under the philosophy, events are going to come back. Virtual is a, is a band-aid for right now. We all want to be at the event. We all want to be talking to the exhibitors, you know, hanging out at the trade show, doing all these different things. So that's probably the biggest thing for us is we're just super excited to be able to, to just have the opportunity to add, add new features and just make our product the best that it could possibly be for these fairs. You know, I was thinking about it um, before the show. I was thinking about your company. I'm not sure that I've ever met you guys out at IAFE. Do you guys exhibit out there at the convention? So we're actually working with Steve, and we should be out there uh, this coming year. Okay, cool. Um, you know, they just made their announcement. They're 2022. They're heading to Indianapolis. So 21 will be the last year in San Antonio. And then it's a new city, 21 or 22 through 25. Every year we're apparently going to be in a new city. What do you think about that? I think it's fun. You know, I think actually listening, listening to your uh, episode with Steve, which, you know, if the listeners haven't listened to that, that episode, it's a good one. Um, you brought up an interesting point of um, floor plan changes and just seeing different carpets and people not being in the same spot of, you know, oh yeah, this booth's always on the left or this booth's always on the right. Yep. I think mixing it up is, is key. And that's actually something we, we, we tell folks that, that run booth-based events. It's like, no, it's good to sometimes switch things up, to always keep your attendees kind of on their toes. Um, I think for us, we are such an experience-based industry that it brings a kind of a new level 
a new level to the to the conference that you know every year is going to be a new experience in a new location you know a new environment going from super dry hot san antonio all the way up to indianapolis you know it's it's just it's going to be a new experience that i, that I think goes pretty hand in hand with our industry well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my only concern is if we get snow on one of those weekends, which, you know, you roll the dice. Like, <laughs> it actually, someone reminded me recently on one of the episodes that it actually snowed. It might have been Nancy Smith from South Carolina. There was one year that, and I think this might have been before I got involved with IEFE, but it actually snowed out in Las Vegas. So, <laughs> like, if it can snow in Las Vegas during on convention weekend, then no place is safe. <laughs> so, we'll yep. see how that goes. I'm looking forward to Indianapolis. I'm looking forward to a uh, uh, change of venue. It, you know, it makes things a little bit, um, a little bit of a challenge. Cause the one, one nice thing that we had there in Las Vegas was everybody knew, but you know, the, the bar downstairs at Paris, there was so much business that was done right at that bar. Uh, and you had that one, cause you were indoors, you were always crisscrossing each other, bumping into each other in an elevator. We didn't have that in San Antonio and we won't get that in any of these other cities because it it's, it's going to change every year. It's going to change. So we're never going to set into a real kind of find a rhythm, but at the same time, I think that just, you know, says it puts more emphasis on that relationship building so that those few minutes you do have passing each other in the convention center that you make them count. Right. Right. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's going to be a new, new experience for everybody. And I, and I think just, just like we talked about earlier, it's, it's a new opportunity for everyone. It's a clean slate. It's all, it's all good there in rocket. Yeah. Well, and I, I think about my attitudes have changed over the last year. I, you know, I started, I've said it a couple of times on the show. I finally started reading around Thanksgiving. I, this, I'm a person who I've probably read three books in 10 years. And then as of last Thanksgiving, I just finished last night, Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership book. And that's, I think is the 10th book I've read since Thanksgiving, which is just, it blows my mind that I just am going through reading so much and I'm picking up some, some things that I'm really taking to heart. One of the, which was from Jocko Willink, who, for those listening, if you're not sure who Jocko is, he's a retired Navy SEAL. Um, he was heavily involved in the, the battle for Ramadi in Iraq. He has this attitude of something bad happens. Good. You know, what's the good that comes from it? So he'd have, you know, one of his guys would come up and say, you know, boss, we didn't get this. Uh, we didn't, I didn't get selected for this command. And he would say, good. Now you've got more time to, to put in more training. And it's, it's the same attitude. Oh, I didn't get a promotion. Good. Now you've got more time to build out, you know, improve your, your skills so that you get the promotion next time. Oh, I, um, you know, my business is shut down because of the pandemic. Well, good. More time for you to improve your own health or good, you know, instead of just sitting there wallowing your misery, his attitude is good, what's next? And that's kind of what I think when it comes to uh, from the pandemic to moving to Indianapolis, because I hear some people that have been like, oh, but we won't know where the circle bar is, where are we going to meet anybody? And I'm like, good, it's going to force you to innovate and get more creative with your marketing. Yep. No, yep. So no more excuses, no excuses. Um, and this is, you know, flat out plug for Jocko's books, Extreme Ownership is absolutely fantastic book i think anybody who is like yourself a ceo if you've got a, a a team of people that work beneath you i think every fair manager and not only that i think every board member in this country should read the book um it it's just a fantastic book on leadership and and it's one thing to read leadership's books from business people when there's only so much skin in the game 
But when you read a leadership book from a Navy SEAL whose decisions were literally life and death, and those same decisions can be applied to business, it's uh, it hits a little bit different. And full disclosure, there, there's there's no affiliate link. You know, there's no there's <laughs> no commission on this. You know, as cool as it would be if to know Jocko, it's not like he's he's messaged me and been like, hey, sell my book. There's none of that. It's just a fantastic book that I'm recommending. Um, listen, we're getting towards being about out of time, but I wanted to um, ask you. Um, what kind of personal toll has this pandemic taken on you and what are you taking out of it as you move into 2021? It's a tough question. Um, I ended on I the think, big one. He ends on the big one. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think full disclosure, I think so often leaders are expected to always rise to the top. You know, it'll all be okay. It's, that's kind of your job as a leader to ensure that everybody else is okay, you know, kind of before yourself. And I think coming from the top, it's been extremely hard. You know, there, there are days when you wake up to the alarm at 6 a.m. You're like looking around, you're like, all right, well, nobody's plan, planning their events. What am I going to do today? You know? Right. Who am I going to call today? Who am I going to try and, you know, talk to today? And I think there have been many days and I need people to understand that it's okay to have these days too, because you have to have bad crappy days to appreciate the good ones. And that's why when there were many, many bad days, I wasn't, you know, you don't get down on yourself. It's like, yep, this is a crummy day and I'm going to make the best of it. It might not be how I wanted it, but it's, you know, it is what it is and there's going to be better days ahead. So there, there have been many, many bad days, but there have also been super awesome days where, you know, you, you finally get to finally get to talk to that new person at that new fair. Um, so it's been, it's been an interesting experience that I probably wouldn't trade for the world because there's so much personal development that happens within yourself in these bad times. That's yep. why I, I, tr- I, I try and preach, you know, every bad situation is an opportunity. There is no, there is no like right, wrong, whatever. It's just, it's opportunities everywhere. It's just, how, sure. are you, how are you going to choose to look at it? So I, I will never say that it was just roses and life was great, but um, you just have to find the opportunity every day. Well, it's funny you mentioned roses. Um, you know, my mom, this, I don't know where these, this memory just came from when you mentioned roses. My mom, when she was younger, um, she used to do the, the cross stitch with, with the, the um, the sewing and the threads and all that jazz. I, I don't know. I think it's cross stitch is what it is. Um, but she had, there was one thing she made once where it was a, it was a rose bush and it said something to the effect of um, I can complain that rose bushes have thorns or I can rejoice that thorn bushes have roses. It's, and I so, so weird. Our listeners are going to be like, where did that come from? But you mentioned <laughs> roses and, and, you know, kind of looking at the bright side and it immediately brought back this thing from when I was a kid, I used to, you know, it was hanging on the, the hall in our house and I, um, I see it every day on my way to school. I, as I'd open the door to walk out, to go catch the school bus, it was always, I can, I can complain that rose bushes have thorns or celebrate that thorn bushes have roses. And I always thought that's always an interesting way of looking at things and, and an interesting perspective. So you mentioned roses. There it is. Um, 2020 is, is up to you guys, you listeners, whether it was a rose bush with thorns or a thorn bush with roses with that Jake Spurley, before we go, everyone on the show goes through a little speed round of questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions. You give me your best response. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
And if you've listened to, if you've listened to the episodes, you might get it. One of the, one or two of these questions may have already been asked, but you can understand how this goes. No pressure, no pressure. Feels like, feels like Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yes. You can do the come from behind when the poor gal that was in third place and had no prayer. <laughs> she still won. All right, here we go. Question one, you can eat only one fair food item for the rest of your life. Which fair food item do you pick? I would have to say a Euro. Fair enough. Would you rather drive a car or a truck? Definitely the Cybertruck. The Cybertruck. Look at that, how he tried to combine it. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Who's your favorite music artist? Oh, I would have to say my buddy Dirk Spanley. All right, nice. You can have a guest role on any television show, past or present. Which is it? Shark Tank. There you go. You know, one of the one of our guests was on Shark Tank. If you go really? back and listen, yep. If you go back and listen to the episode, I think it's like two oh nine, maybe, with Scott Tyndall, who's the former fair manager down at the Greater Gulf State Fair. He was on Shark Tank once. I'll, I'll have to check it out. You'll have to go check it out because we talk about it a little bit. Uh, if money's no object, where's the first place you travel when the pandemic ends? Ooh, I would say the British Virgin Islands. Fair enough. Last question. Who was your first celebrity crush? Megan Fox. You're a youngster, man. If that was your first celebrity, she's your first celebrity crush. You're, how old are you? Are you, are you 25 yet? Tell 23. Full oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You say Megan Fox. I'm like, man, you're a kid. You're young. It people is. Ask, I, people they say to me, well, Robert, who's yours? That's Courtney Conkle tried to get me on the episode, uh, episode 206. She's like, well, wait, 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 hold up. Who's yours? And I'm like, now and forever, Danica McKellar, who is Winnie Cooper on the Wonder Years. That dates me back to like 89, okay? 23. <laughs> 23. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny to wrap things up here. When I was in middle school, somehow my, my, my older brother, who's a tech guy, hacked my Facebook account. And it was, it was just a picture of me, I think, like with my brother. And he photoshopped himself out and he threw Megan Fox in there and updated it as my new profile picture. And I had no idea. So kids at school were like, yo, you met Megan Fox? It's like, what are you, t- I mean, I wish, but what are you talking about? And I looked at my Facebook and I got hacked with Megan Fox. That's, not That's a picture. awesome. That's awesome. But what's also awesome is that you mentioned middle school and Facebook in the same sentence. I was almost a decade out of college when Facebook even became a thing. <laughs> Like I couldn't get on Facebook originally because I had graduated. I wasn't in college anymore. When Facebook first started, it was only for college kids. Yep. Yep. And you were in middle school. (laughs) Middle school. All right. You've made me feel significantly old as I was reminded by uh, Miranda Muir that now that I'm 41, no longer part of YPI. um, Yes. I've just been, I've been reminded just how old I am and bald I am. And, you know, that's right. Just a number, just a number. Age is just a number. That's right. Hey, man, if folks want to reach out and get in contact with you, how can they do that? Yeah, if you want to reach me, jake at fairandevent.com, or you can just look us up, fairandevent.com. Jake at fairandevent.com. He is the CEO of Fair and Event, Jake Spurley. Really enjoyed getting to know you today, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Robert. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.